Hello and welcome to Off-Road Review, where we review movies and when somehow we connect it to cars, the movie. Um, yeah, that that's that's what we do here. Uh, so my name is Nick Pfeiffer. I'm joined by my co-host Julia. You want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Julia McCall. Um, I'm movie a movie connoisseur, um, college kid extraordinaire, and all around cool person who whose specialty is um, turning every conversation ever about the Cars universe. Um, and, Becky? Yeah, uh, I'm just normal. I'm, I, I, I think uh, my co-host here is, is a little on the crazy side, but we're going to embrace that. That's what this is all about, is embracing the Cars universe and how it ties into every movie we review. So today, our first episode, we're going to review The Dark Knight. Uh, Christopher Nolan, great director, mm-hmm. often dark and brooding with all his movies. Doesn't matter mm-hmm. which one you see, they're all about the same. But mm-hmm. this one is the second in a trilogy of Batman movies, and I love Batman. Uh, I've always grown up with the Michael Keaton Batman movies. They're entertaining, they're funny, uh, and ridiculous because Tim Burton directed those. But Christopher Nolan took it in a different direction. He went dark, much more darker and uh, grittier. In this one, we've got Bruce Wayne uh, dealing with his biggest arch nemesis, the Joker, uh, performed by the late uh, uh, Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger, thank you. Uh, performed by the, the late Heath Ledger. Masterful performance by him. Um, sadly, he, he didn't even get to see the movie premiere, um, but his work will live on forever because everyone loves these movies. So, can you tell us, I guess, a, a brief description of the movies and or the start with? Let's start with the beginning. So, Batman Begins, just so we can kind of tie mm-hmm. it into tie in. all that. Yeah. Um, well, Batman Begins is where it starts out with him going to this like ninja boot camp, and he learns to embrace the darkness, and then he comes back and he's like. Lucius, will you help me become the Batman? Uh, Lucius is essentially this tech uh, genius that works for the Wayne Enterprises, and he recruits him to uh, make all of his gadgets. Yeah, so he pulls Lucius in, and he's like, help me become the Batman, and then he also pulls in Alfred. But like Al- Butler. Yeah, and Alfred is always going to be a part of it, because, you know, he loves Bruce so much. <laughs> and then... um. So like it 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 ends with like the guy that um, teaches him to become a ninja, basically, um, being the bad guy and having to take him down. Okay. And naturally, then that establishes Bruce Wayne as Batman going forward, and the you know vigilante of Gotham City, and then it leads us into Dark Knight, where shortly after the Shortly after the uh, results of Batman Begins, Joker is struck. Uh, he has started committing little crimes here and there, causing chaos, and Batman doesn't have the time for him. He starts off going after the mobs because they're the bigger prize. They're the bigger threat. And it makes sense. You know, go for the big the big kahuna. Uh, but the, the problem here is uh, Joker takes advantage of that. Um, we've, we've noticed that throughout this movie... 
Joker is all about chaos. I mean, even in the Michael Keaton ones, he's causing chaos. It's just his his thing. He is the embodiment of chaos. One thing, though, uh, in this movie, many viewers who've watched it over the years might have noticed, uh, if you if you analyze it deep enough, you realize there is no chaos. Uh, it's simply manipulation. And um, I think that's where we lead into what we liked about this movie. What, what did you like about this movie? Well, first of all, I loved that the opening scene was of just this big bank robbery um, with the Joker in it. And it's, I think it showed the scale that the Joker had gone to. And it like sets the, the tone slash, there's going to be a lot of explosions in this at the very beginning. And it's your first introduction to the Joker. Yes. And, and in the grand scheme of things too, it is the first domino falling. Like, because mm-hmm. that, that bank is owned by the mafia who are a part of this whole movie the whole way through. And it just kind of is the starting stone for uh, his grand scheme. So it looks like chaos. It looks like some crazy guy is robbing some bank who doesn't know that it's owned by the mob. And uh, yeah, so like he robs the bank. Mm-hmm. What what do we see next, I guess? Um. The next part is you see um, Bruce slash Batman um, stopping um, some criminals. And it's like the old villain from the last movie. The one that did the um, hypnosis. um, Scarecrow. Yes, yes. Yes. Okay, so just a quick heads up too. mm -hmm. We, We didn't necessarily touch up on that in the beginning when we said Batman Begins has... Raza Ghoul as the villain. Mm-hmm. It also has Scarecrow because yes. uh, they like to do two villains at a time. Uh, that's mm-hmm. very true in Dark Knight as well as uh, Dark Knight Rises, the oh, third one in the series. Yes. Uh, they all do multiple villains just because they think Batman needs a challenge. So, yeah. Yeah. We, we encounter Scarecrow doing a bad drug deal mm-hmm. and uh, something unusual happens. So, uh, we encounter. Uh, copycats of Batman. People yeah. dressed up as him trying to dish out their own form of justice. Uh, tell me how that goes. The poor guys, they're just, they're wearing hockey gear and they're um, they're like, you're, you're a symbol and we want to do what you do to, to Batman. And it's like, that's that's not the point of having a symbol. And it goes into um, you you have to be more than just a vigilante. I I can see that. Uh, I, I feel like on a deeper analysis, you could almost argue that that is flawed because Batman within himself has had Robin, Nightwing, uh, Red, uh, Red Hood, and Batgirl all come from... So like, they, were, they, they stood up to crime and, and became vigilantes themselves. Now, you could also argue he brought them in and, and trained them. But, mm-hmm. I mean, if you if you become a symbol of, of truth and justice and fighting crime, you're bound to inspire people. Now, I think where Christopher Nolan was trying to go with this was that, like, he didn't want people to put themselves in danger willy-nilly. He wanted them to be prepared. 
if they were going to be serious about t- taking on crime. So, like, these guys obviously were amateurs, didn't know what they were doing. They just had some guns and thought, hey, we can do it too. Um, so, this scene plays out where, obviously, Batman stops Scarecrow and even stops these vigilantes and just kind of handcuffs them all up together. Mm-hmm. This is not the last time we'll see these guys, but it's the last time we'll see Scarecrow. Um, going forward, now we've got this whole idea of, of bringing down the mob which we mentioned before, they're the big kahuna. They're the big prize that Batman really wants to bring down. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the movie's about Joker and Batman and their crime fighting. Um, what, why is the mafia such an important part of this, though? Can you explain? Because the, the, the mafia has to be taken down first because it's so ingrained in literally every part and up until the um the bank scene joker wasn't making like this big splash and um he was relatively small and batman was thinking that's just one person why do i need to go after one singular person when there's this mob right here and we've been trying to get rid of them for years and we are really close. So he he's trying to do that. And what they don't realize yet is how ingrained um, the Joker is with the mob and the crime. So it's like they, they, think, they think it's just Joker over here when it's really everyone. Yeah, and I, I think part of that is because the Joker sees the Batman is distracted by the mob and he takes advantage of that like Mm -hmm. he sees okay they are causing problems for the batman it's distracting him let's create a little more chaos though let's let's double down on that let's push him Mm -hmm. into that more and so you see that the joker offers the mobsters a way out by trying to kill the batman uh when you get some of the mob to resist the joker's proposal though he brings more chaos to the situation uh one of my favorite scenes is the making the pencil disappear moment where like he's like well, i don't see a trick and then the guy comes over and he just slams his head into the table and that pencil disappeared he, he lived up to his his uh his statement um the the mob is resistant at first but they fall in line eventually and mm-hmm. uh we see though that even in the end, Joker was doing that intentionally just to manipulate them as well as Batman and everyone else around him. He, he's he's creating chaos, but he's doing it in a controlled method. So the idea that it's just chaos, period, it's an illusion. Because the whole time, Joker constantly is showing that he has it all planned out. Like He's got someone there to break him out of prison when he gets caught. He got, has someone there to... Uh, kill off a judge while he's in prison or something like that. Like, there's all these things he's got planned out, and they all happen regardless. Like, he can be completely far away from it, and it still happens because he put it into motion. Mm-hmm. It It's great in the sense of how Nolan does it, where it comes off uh, as if it's just spiraling out of control, and Bruce Wayne's desperate to solve it all, but um, he's struggling because Obviously, every human struggles with uh, emotions and things like that. Um, so we get to the point, though, where 
the mob is starting to transition from the main threat to the the backseat. At that point, you've got Joker as more of the front of the line of who to take care of. What what do we see there, I guess, with with that? Like, what happens and uh, what does Batman do? That's where um, the Joker decides to um, be like, Batman, reveal yourself, basically. Um, Because that's when he becomes, like, number one threat. Um, There there is... um, I I thought there was um, a thing before that, but not really. I mean, there is a part where he goes to... Uh, Hong Kong, and he takes the mobster's money guy down. Mm-hmm. But like that—that that was something that, like, the Joker knew would fail, and he kind of counted on that. So it doesn't really play too big into the role of Joker. But, mm-hmm. um, it plays more into like him having a plan for everything because he found like he had the money with him, mm-hmm. and um, but like the Joker, um wants the batman to reveal himself and in doing that putting um putting putting the batman in a position where it's either these people die and people keep dying because of one taking down the mob and then like the judge harvey dent and um the others in, in the commissioner. Yeah, basically going after key targets. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he's basically like... He puts... Um, he goes after them, and then he goes to the, like, party where he um, is looking for Harvey Dent mm-hmm. to um, get rid of because he's another one of the targets. And he thinks that'll drag the Batman out, it'll also um, get rid of the person that is, like, prosecuting everyone. Uh, and I will point out, too, I, there's a point later on in the movie where uh, Joker even says, you know, for a moment I thought you were Harvey Dent because the way he threw himself out the window to go and save um, Maggie Gyllenhaal's character, which I'm blanking on her name. Rachel. Rachel, thank you. Um, and in that moment, like it kind of looks like, okay, that's got to be Harvey Dent as Batman. So later on, when Harvey Dent comes out and claims he's Batman, that's when you get those moments where like Joker's like, okay, I'm going after him because he said he's Batman, and like he mm-hmm. just wants to be the one that that forces Batman to reveal himself. He wants to be the one that brings down Batman. He wants to be the one that brings down the whole city. Um, now, with that said, obviously. Harvey Dent is not Batman. We know him as something else. Uh, Do we want to get into that right now? Nah, we'll come back to that in a second. Um, So, what are some of the things up to this point that you've enjoyed about the movie? Like, obviously, there's a lot that's happened. Like, Mm -hmm. we've gone from a bank robbery to bringing down the mob, and the city is basically on fire. Yeah. Um... First of all, I absolutely love um, this Joker as a character a whole lot. Um, 
Heath Ledger did, like, he transformed for this role. And he really took the um, outward personification of crazy while also manipulating literally everyone around you. And he just, he brought it to life. And I have, I loved every scene with him, even though, like, they were crazy scenes. And, like, he is a villain. And he's just, he's just evil to be evil, which I find is what we need sometimes when it comes to, like, superhero movies. Because um, there's, there's a lot of backstory for a lot, and there's a lot of reasoning. And it's like, why does there have to be reasoning beyond wanting everyone to burn and you to be at the top? Now, okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate or joker's advocate here. Okay. What if I told you he was not actually a bad guy? That he was simply showing everyone their, their true selves. That, like, by putting them in a corner, it reveals who they really are. Like, you could be a prisoner who's on death row, and if you're presented with saving the lives of a boat across the river or yourself you'll choose to save everyone's life versus some person who uh, sees a boat full of prisoners and says, I'm going to blow them up so I can save myself. Like you get that idea of like, he's revealing our true selves of who's good, who's bad. Our idea of what we think is good and what is bad. The the only thing with that is that neither one of the people were ever going to blow up the other. And that's what makes it so great is that he didn't saw, see that coming per se, but he's still prepared uh, by having a bomb uh, detonator with him. Uh, of course, Batman stops him from doing it, but um, but like even prior to that moment, though, uh, the Joker is is even just kind of doubling down on things he sees. So like when he sees Harvey Dent is struggling with bringing down the uh, the mob, he kind of presses that situation makes it harder for him so that way he can test him and put him in that corner because he wants he wants the idea of that you are a hero to not be true he wants you to realize that you have never been a hero all along you have been someone just pretending to be a hero and that you are a villain yourself so like you look at batman and he's like oh this guy pretends like he's here to save gotham but really is he though because he beats the living crap out of people and calls it justice and then like you've got harvey dent who's putting away uh mobsters but he's allowing like petty crime to go away or whatever go by i think it's interesting at least to like approach it in that sense where you see heath ledger's joker not necessarily as the villain like obviously he's supposed to be the villain but he gives it a, a unique twist where you can you could uh conceivably see him as just revealing the true selves of us and not actually being a villain himself. So revealing who everyone is like in their darkest moments, which is their true selves is what he's saying. But isn't it just ourselves in um, desperation? And can we really say us in desperation is really our true selves? I think that's what he's trying to argue is that like, let's say you're on the side of the road, you're starving and you see uh, a store and you have no money, but you want to. You want food. You need food. And you're just so desperate to feed yourself. Do you succumb and rob the place, or do you find another way? 
and that, that's where you you that's where he, Joker comes in and says that is when you determine what kind of person you really are is whether or not you will commit the crime for your benefit or if you will maintain a standard where you will not commit crime. I think another layer to the whole Joker thing is something that he says um, later is that following um, the, the rules and how you have everything planned is never the correct way and what you do when the plan goes awry is actually like what you are is that kind of what it is kind of yeah so like he kind of talks to uh, Harvey Dent in the hospital about this where he he's telling Harvey about how up to this point he's been playing it by the book the whole way and and look where it's got him it, it made him lose his loved one his face is disfigured things like that like he goes through all this stuff and that's from playing it by the book uh, obviously the Joker manipulated the situation to be up to that point but he's he's convinced Harvey Dent that this is because Harvey played it by the book. And that's when he's like, let's introduce a little anarchy. And so that's when you get Two-Face, which we were going to briefly touch on before, but then we decided to skip ahead. Yeah. Uh, Do we want to touch on it now? Uh, yes, let me finish the statement at least. Uh, mm -hmm. So Harvey Dent becomes Two-Face. He's a well-known villain in the comics and the animated series and things like that. Um, he flips a coin that determines what he does. It's kind of a 50-50 chance. Uh, he used to have it where like the coin was always the same on both sides, but because of the accident, uh, one side becomes scratched, and that's how he determines heads versus tails. In that moment, we lose Harvey Dent. Harvey Dent dies in that moment, and he becomes fully... Two face. Um, so if you want, you can take over from there at least. But mm -hmm. uh, that I just want to at least introduce Two Face in that scenario. Mm -hmm. I think to be able to talk about Two Face, we must first talk about who he was to the public, um, because some people talked about him like he was the White Knight and Batman is the Dark Knight, mm -hmm. and how he. It was the the symbol for the people, and it went it, it semi true because like he he was fighting crime and he was doing it in a by the book way, and so it it does make him it it did make him a person that walked in the light and didn't didn't live in the dark like Batman does didn't face it. And then, right, right when he was becoming Two-Face, like when he was sitting there about to get um, blown up and Batman um, chooses him, which I'm not convinced Batman actually chooses him. Batman actually, okay, so I, I guess you didn't catch that. Uh, no, Batman like, was I, told the wrong address intentionally by the Joker. Yes, that's so what I thought. he was thinking he was going to save. Uh, Maggie, Maggie Gyllenhaal mm -hmm. and so that's why when he gets there he pauses for a second and you see Harvey Dent going no no you were supposed to you yeah. know, and, and, yeah and that's because he was thinking he was going to Maggie mm -hmm. or uh, sorry I keep forgetting her name Rachel Rachel he, he, he was thinking he was going to Rachel and that yeah. 
uh, Commissioner Gordon was going to go and save Harvey. But Joker knew about his feelings towards Rachel. And so he, he intentionally gave him the wrong address to further his domino effect okay, of, was, of manipulation. Yeah. Um, which is fully what I thought was happening, but I didn't want to just confidently say, yeah, he he chose Rachel over Harvey, but ended up going to Harvey. So he technically lived, but he had gas, gasoline or, right, gasoline? Uh, he had some, like, yeah, like, on some kind face. of uh, petroleum or something yeah. that, that got on his and, face and caught fire. Mm-hmm. And once the um, building exploded, it caught the um, gas on his face on fire. So, therefore, he just absolutely burned half his face. Um, Which I got to point out, the, the visual effects for that still hold up to this day. This movie came out some years ago 2008. now. 2008. We're in 2022 now, right? It still holds up pretty well. Uh, the only part I had a moment where I was like, okay, this seems not that real was when he takes a swig of alcohol after he burned his face and was like, dude, that guy would be screaming in pain. Oh, There's yeah. no way. Like he's got exposed, exposed bone. He's got like muscle. and oh, there, God, There's like no two way. like what looks like tendons yeah, like, together. Taking a swig of alcohol in that moment, I would have been dying. Like I would have just been like screaming in pain because of the amount mm-hmm. of burning that would have caused. But, um, but yeah, otherwise, visually, but it looks beyond great. that, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it holds up great. It does. Um, so, like, that's the fact that he lost Rachel is really what sends him down the two faced pass. And then there's also the um, both of them lost Rachel. The, the whole movie yeah. has been hinting at like Rachel's torn between the two, and they're both conflicted about embracing her as a love interest because mm-hmm. like Harvey has been focused so much on bringing down the mob and his job and mm-hmm. Batman also, or Bruce Wayne has also been focused so much on being Batman that they've been afraid to embrace the relationship. But right before unt- the untimely death of her, they both say, think I'm going to go to her. Like, so right before t- uh, Harvey Dent unveils that he is Batman, Bruce Wayne has full intent to reveal himself as Batman. And mm-hmm. that way he can be truthful and be with, with Rachel as himself, not as Batman. Obviously, Harvey Dent, you know, puts the kibosh on that by announcing he's Batman. But then when we have them in the warehouses, uh, Rachel is able to talk over speakerphone to Harvey. And they talk about how they're going to get out of here and they're going to be together. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you get this thing, uh, this feeling of, like, conflict between the, the, the love triangle, I guess you could call it. Um, and I feel like, all of that is the Joker manipulating every single one of them. Because he knows that Batman or Bruce Wayne, or I guess he doesn't know Bruce Wayne at the moment, but he knows that Batman has feelings for this woman. And he knows Harvey Dent also has same feelings for this woman, which is why he even intentionally put them in different warehouses, targeted them specifically. He was trying to push both of them to their limits. What I thought was genius about that is... Um... Harvey lost his mind at losing Rachel. Bruce, who's known her his whole life and knew she said, like, as far as he knew, as soon as he stopped being the bad man, they could be together. Mm-hmm. And, um, but he, he pushed through and he stayed good. And then he got smarter about the Joker. But Harvey 
just lost himself in it, which goes into the um, the White Knight. White Knight the, will always be taken down by the darkness because they don't live in it. Mm-hmm. But the darkness will prevail because they do live in it, and you have to learn to live with it to be in the darkness, which is kind of a metaphor for like bad things, mm-hmm. especially in Gotham. Um, and like Gotham's just a dark place. Even even in the Batman movies that aren't like that dark, like this one, it's still pretty dark because of all the corruption and because of just how they have the mafia that they do. And they do, um, and then there's like all the corruption of like the police and then all the way up to the mayor. Yeah, like on every level, there's some kind of corruption of some kind. Someone taking advantage of another person or mm-hmm. trying to manipulate the system. Uh, I mean, heck, even the weather in... Like, if you compare Gotham City to Metropolis, Metropolis mm-hmm. is always sunny, perfect weather. Gotham, yeah. always rainy, overcast, dark. And it's just like, clearly, God hated Gotham City. And yeah. in that moment, Batman was like, well, I'm going to be standing up for them then. So... Well, I also like going into the weather of Gotham. Something I love about the third movie, um, Dark Knight Rises, is that the one moment that it is truly bright is when everything is going to absolute hell at the very end. When he takes the bomb off the bridge or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's also just kind of... uh, I don't want to call it a cliche, but like in certain like movies, riding off into the sunset, like yeah. he was going with full intent of dying or at least mm-hmm. giving the impression that he was going to die by yeah. flying out there with the bomb, saving the city. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, that that is probably one of the only moments in the entire Batman trilogy, at least for this Nolan trilogy, mm-hmm. where yeah, it is not bad weather because <laughs> the, yeah. the, the whole movie up to that point is like either snowy or or like cold and, and rainy or, or just dark and brooding there was two other times um one with, was when they were um the mayor was talking to everyone and the joker was um he had he had said that he was going to kill the mayor oh and, yeah so it's and, when the yeah. commissioner had been killed by the joker mm-hmm. yeah they have this big ceremony in the middle of the streets mm-hmm. that was one of the only times you also see the joker without makeup on which is yep. a good scene mm-hmm. um so yeah the 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 mayor was giving us big speech about the commissioner and how he got his role and how sad it is to have lost him but you can mm-hmm. continue from there um and then there's another time but it's not like super bright but no 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 it is it's when they're um burying harvey and they're having the funeral and they're like he was the hero that we needed and um but we didn't deserve him and um it is completely sunny outside the weather's nice everyone is out everyone is safe yeah so when i saw that scene it made me think more so of like the falsehood though because they're living a lie like oh yeah it 
it's not truly a sunny day, but it is. Yeah, like, like it's like look at this false. They, they can feel like they're at least in a better place than they were before. Which, as Harvey Dent put it, it's always darkest right before the dawn. So now they're they're you know past that point of darkest moment, and they feel like they've made it. But it feels more like, in truthfulness, it's like the eye of the storm. Mm-hmm. We're in the middle of a hurricane. It's calm. It's quiet. Like even maybe some sunlight coming through. But really, on the other end of it, it's just going to be, a, uh, you know, a disaster again. And that's kind of where then we jump into the next Batman movie. And it that's just Batman in general. Like, every version of Batman, whether it's the show, every episode, or the movies, every movie, something goes down. Like, so, I, I, I saw that scene, and I was thinking, like, okay, yeah, it's a bright moment. But yeah. only truly when it was... Dark Knight Rises when he's flying out to the sea is when... Mm, when it's truly sunny and bright and during that whole like fight slash um, just that whole sequence of everyone um, getting to the bridge, getting off, um, everyone in the football field, when Bane was... We're, we're jumping to a different movie here. We are. But, but, but like it, when it, Bane was doing all that, it was sunny the whole time, but like when they were fighting the Joker, it was night the whole time. Yeah, because it, it, the symbolism there at least was in the moment of Dark Knight, Harvey Dent is the, the, the white knight, the hero that they need. And in Dark Knight Rises, it's in that moment when Batman is needed. And he, once once he finishes the job and saves everyone in the city, his time is done. He is no longer needed. And that's when it you know, moves on to somebody else. And that's where they hint at Robin being introduced. Mm-hmm. But obviously, Christopher Nolan stopped after the third movie. So yeah. we'll never see that. Uh, okay, so circling back to Dark Knight, though. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we got to the point where Harvey Dent becomes Two-Face. Uh, it takes place in a hospital. One of my favorite moments about that movie is that scene where Joker has basically just unleashed Two-Face. He's convinced him to go spread anarchy. And he's about to leave the hospital and blow it up. So he starts igniting the bombs by hitting the button on his like remote detonator. And some of the halls start blowing up. But as he leaves, the building suddenly stops. And I learned about this. Uh, that was not supposed to happen. It was supposed to just go all up in one go, and he was supposed to get on the bus and go. But when it stopped going, he turns around, and he's like, well, that seemed disappointing. And he starts fiddling with the remote and, like, hitting it. And then it starts going again. He's, like, scared. And that's genuinely him just, like, like thanking, like, I'm just going to let this play out. I'm going to keep it in character. I'm not going to just, like, say cut and go to the next scene. It's, like, that was Heath Ledger saying, okay... I'm going to have fun with this. And so he just like played character and I love it. it. It's one of the best scenes in that movie because you just see him go, oh, okay. Like suddenly this bomb's working again. I'm going to get out of here now. <laughs> and like the whole building just... Yeah, it just blows up. One big flame. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then the hospital's been evacuated, but no one dies in that moment. Uh, Harvey Dent is now Two-Face official. Uh, Joker's still on the loose. Joker still obviously has a plan in motion. Uh, he's, uh, like I said, he, he's been controlling everything from the get-go. Like, him setting Harvey Dent off onto his Two-Face role was just another one of the dominoes where while he's focused on his main cause, Harvey Dent will be doing his own thing 
And then if his thing falls through, he still has Harvey Dent. Like, yes, he puts it an ace up his sleeve. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of comes into like the, the nearing the end of the movie. We've got the situation with Joker in the uh, building with hostages and the two ferry boats. Do you want to get give a general uh, breakdown of that that moment? Yes. So they were evacuating people. So you had like regular citizens in one ferry, and then you had the um, prisoners from Arkham in another ferry, and they had one bomb in the um, the prisoner one, like for sure. Because they, they were like, what if the prisoners like, decide to revolt or something? And you need to have a quick way to just get rid of everyone. Um, but the the other one wasn't supposed to, I don't think? Uh, no, I'm, I'm fairly certain Joker put bombs in both. And the idea was whoever decided first blow up the other one. And either way, they would have to mm-hmm. deal with the guilt of sacrificing. The yeah, others. yeah. Um, but that, again, that's that was where I was talking about how like Joker wanted to see what people would do when they're backed into a corner, like this idea that their true selves will come out, and like so you've got these people on a boat who are just civilians who live their daily lives. You would not expect them to be bad people, like criminals on a on another ferry, mm-hmm. and they're willing to blow up the, the prisoners. But then you've got the prisoners who you would expect, oh yeah, without without missing a beat, would blow up the other boat. And they're, they're hesitating. They're like, no, we're not going to do this. That's not right. And so you kind of like, you see the true selves in those, in those moments. Like you could be a criminal your whole life, but when you get put into a certain situation, you see the good come out sometimes. Like you can have good in you even when you live a life of bad. And I think that's what's like interesting about all the scenario is Joker ex- expects at least one of those boats to blow up. But when neither of the boats decides to blow the other one up, he's like, well, that wasn't expected, essentially, because he expected. At least his, one. Yeah, his, yeah, his theory up to this point had been proven accurate. Like he had broken Harvey Dent. He was basically breaking Batman. Uh, he had destroyed so many lives and put the city in chaos. So then for it to suddenly not go as planned, that was... A moment where you had to basically like pause and be like okay so did he ever actually have control and then obviously he did because he had a detonator still but batman stops him and then he also had the ace in his, his sleeve which was harvey dent so uh batman stops him and then we've got uh oh well i guess i should touch on this while J- uh, joker and batman are fighting um there's hostages and then there are people dressed up as Joker's minions. And like the twist is the hostages are actually the ones dressed up as Joker's minions. And he's trying to make it where the, the SWAT teams, when they come in, kill the hostages instead and makes it kind of like more traumatic and chaotic. Like every moment it's, joker planning out something he's got something in in motion and like there's never a moment where it's like it was unplanned mm-hmm. um so with that resolved joker's arrested and he hints that harvey dent has been corrupted where do we find harvey dent 
Well, the first place we find him is in a bar with one of the dirty cops um, that helped pick up Rachel um, to take her to the um, the building where she was going to be tied up to um, be blown up. And he's like, um, he's basically like, he, he kind of goes on this little bit of, of a thing of you, you killed her without thought. You, you didn't know, of course you knew something was going to happen. And he's like, here's your chances. Flips the coin and, um, with, with that one. Does he kill that one? Yeah. 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 So that one. With the yeah. first one, he kills the guy. But mm -hmm. uh, I want to also point out that, like, that was the anarchy. Because, like, mm -hmm. up to that point, Harvey Dent had always done things by the book. And, mm -hmm. like, when you are either, like, a killer or if you are a person who brings justice, you stick to a, 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 a system. Like, if you kill someone, you know, you, you can do it again and again and again. And that's kind of, like, you know what to do. But when you go against the grain, then things become a little more chaotic. And so like you got Harvey Dent flipping the coin to determine whether or not a person lives or dies. And that's that's the anarchy that he introduces mm -hmm. that I, I think is great. Um, at least for this movie, it, it feeds into the overall uh, idea that they've been playing at. Mm -hmm. um, so who's the next person he uh, encounters? The Italian mob head, I'm pretty sure, in the car. Um, because the R Ramirez is yes, later. Yes, yes, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. If I, my God, my memory is already getting fuzzy. And I just watched it earlier today. Um, <laughs> yeah. So he goes after one of the the uh, he goes after Maroni, who's one of the heads of the mafia, and uh, he uh, finds out that one of the other detectives that was putting her uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal's character Rachel in the car uh, was corrupt from the beginning because early on she had medical bills for her mom and mm -hmm. that's how they got her and mm -hmm. uh, he kills the driver but the coin flip spares the uh, Maroney mm -hmm. um, which presumably the car accident killed Maroney because he didn't buckle up um, yeah. and then after that that's when he comes into contact with the second detective uh, mm -hmm. What's her name again? Um, something Ramirez. Ramirez. Okay, so we got Ramirez, who, like we mentioned, was corrupt only because she had medical bills that she needed to pay. Which, you know, moralistically, it's like, I get it. It's difficult. You're in a situation where you don't have the money to pay off bills that you need to do. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's, it's a hard spot to be put in. And it plays again into the whole idea that backed in a corner, you find out the true selves. Yeah. And like with this one, um, he has Ramirez call um, Gordon's wife yeah. and be like, we need you to get in the car and go somewhere, but like get the kids, get in the car and Tom go somewhere. And then like once she like hung up, he's like, she did it, didn't she? she you want to know why? Because she trusted you the same way Rachel did. Yeah, yeah the whole idea was that he felt betrayed by the uh people that work under gordon and even by gordon himself so he he was going basically through the the ladder of taking down the people he felt were responsible for rachel's death 
So he killed the first detective, then he uh, spared the second detective only because her coin flip came up in her favor. Mm-hmm. And then uh, to get back at, at Commissioner Gordon, though, he went for his family. Uh, this is where the conclusion comes in. Batman, you know, has to face down with the situation as well. It, It's a... A, a very delicate situation. We've got Commissioner Gordon, his wife, his kid, Bruce Wayne as Batman, and Harvey Dent in a burned-out building where Maggie had died, or, or where uh-huh. Rachel had died yeah. earlier. Maggie Gyllenhaal, sorry. Uh, she had died earlier in that same exact building. So it's kind of like a, a full circle for Harvey Dent. Uh, tell me, like, how? why is this like a delicate situation? How does it play out? What's significant about it? So the, the the thing that Harvey did was he put the family up against like this pole. And he um, calls Gordon and tells him about like that, that he has him. And so Gordon comes running. And once um, Gordon gets there, he's like, do you know where we're at? And he's like, you, you failed. Um, have you ever had to talk to your loved one and tell them that everything was going to be okay, even though it definitely was not? And he's like, I'm going to make you experience the same thing. And he's like, who, who in this bunch do you love the most? And he, he picks the little boy. And... Um, holding he has um gordon and he's like that's when batman shows up and gets involved in everything and they they get to the point where harvey's like okay let's let's decide everyone's fate so he starts with um i think he starts with gordon uh, no, he starts with Batman. He, he shoots, starts with he Batman. shoots Batman in the yes, gut. Yes, yes. Um, and then he spares Gordon. I want to say, and then he's about to go for the kid when Batman tackles him over a ledge to, and saves the kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that moment, we see Gordon uh, run over to help Batman pull up and sees that his kid was saved. Obviously grateful because I would be in the same situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets the kid out of out of harm's way, and then in that moment, Batman falls. Uh, we see both Batman and Harvey Dent motionless at the bottom of this like deep fall. Uh, Harvey Dent goes down to check on them to see if either of them are alive and what's going on, and he's about to call the backup in because they need to resolve the situation. They need to. Uh, arrest somebody this is where a big moment happens where Batman takes things into his hands Um, do you want to break that down okay so it's I think it's very important that they had the shot of both of them having fallen Um, one of them because of saving people one of them because of completely losing their self so once you get Gordon down there at the bottom and Batman is still alive and 
Gordon's like, what are we going to do? He He's fallen from grace, and now everything that he's done will go to waste. Because he he killed two people, for sure, and then he did this. And it's like, what, what are you going to like do about that? Yeah, he had because, become a symbol up to yeah, that point they, of hope. And like they need the White Knight, not the Two-Face. Mm-hmm. And that's when Batman was like, okay. Um, and I think it's also important that he moves his face to the other side where you can't see the burn side. Um, because when he landed, the burn side was up. So he switched it to the White Knight side. And he's like, you're going to blame it all on me. You're going to say Batman did it. You're going to say I was corrupted. And you're going to say that Harvey tried his best to stop me. And Gordon is so hesitant because he knows that Batman doesn't deserve that. Um, I mean, he knows that Batman is basically trying to preserve this guy's image because he was the real symbol of hope for the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the same time, he also knows that they're going to be living a lie that only him and, and Batman and his wife and kids know uh, the truth of is that Harvey Denton was not a good guy. Um, so it, it definitely creates this situation that's not easy for anyone. Um, but in the end, even when they're put in a tough situation, they prove the Joker wrong that they will be truly good and uncorruptible. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed the speech that Gordon does at the funeral where he's like, Harvey was the hero that we needed. Mm-hmm. And like within that speech, they flash back to um, Gordon talking to his son and being like, because the son's like, why, why is he doing that? And... Um, Gordon's like, we have to chase him. And he's like, why? And it's he says he's not the hero we need, but he is the hero that we deserve. And he is he is preserving this image. He is because he can take it. He can run from us. He can hide. But the, the image of Harvey cannot hide. Mm-hmm. It's it's public. It, it has to stay out there. It has to stay legitimate. Or you lose all the momentum that they had against the whole mafia. Yeah, and I, I think part of that also comes down to the fact that, like, Batman has always been the Dark Knight. Like, literally, to paint him in a negative light, he's going to be okay. Like, he can manage that. He can handle that image. But if you paint the white knight as a bad guy it's not the same it they it it looks bad and they they tend to not be able to handle that um it tends to remove hope and and uh positivity so there's meaning behind all of it and uh overall i think the the movie does it really well they like beat your skull in with these metaphors of you know what would people do in tough situations because uh, it's repeatedly done throughout the whole movie. Uh, with that said, we've been talking about this for about 50 minutes. Um, any final moments in the movie that you really liked? Some that you really hated? Like, what what, what were some things... Uh, we, we've talked a lot of positives about this movie. Mm-hmm. Let's start with some negatives. Like, 
what were some things that you saw and were like, oh, that doesn't work or that doesn't make sense? Um, the, the biggest thing was the amount of cops that looked at the Joker just sitting there and they never shot, they never pulled the trigger. They were just kind of like... You're talking about during the parade? Well, no, not during the parade. Just every time they're faced with him and they're the ones in power, they never did anything. And, like, when he was hanging upside down, the SWAT team, like, they just took him in. Which I I understand. No, I understand. But there's a part of me while watching it that I was like, why is no one just pulling the trigger at this person? Because that would be against uh, everything. It it would. Like, he would, he would, he would, he would love for the cops to do that to him. Mm -hmm. But he, but like, he knows full well that the cops can't just kill him. That They cannot do that. Um, they might try to rough him up, like beat him up, because there's that point where he's in an interrogation room and that one detective tries to beat him up. Um, but yeah, like he knows they can't just kill him. And he, he's gone the whole movie trying to get Batman to a point where he would kill him. And, and Batman doesn't bite. And so he says, wow, you really are uncorruptible. Uh, so yeah, like I... I I get what you mean. Like, it didn't make sense for someone not to break. Um, but I, I think that's just them playing more into that whole idea of, like, going by the book. Um, yeah, there was always a reason for it. And it makes sense. But something I like to do is to have my criticisms never make sense. So you're going to see it throughout all of this podcast. All throughout this podcast, you're going to um, hear me say some off-the-wall stuff for opinions. I don't really, really feel like this, but also I kind of do. Why didn't they just pull the trigger? They had this person just going wild and burning the city to the ground. Did they ever pull the trigger? No. No. If 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 he's going to sit there and be like, <laughs> do it, and they're not gonna, you're going to tell me that cops looked at this guy who was like, Shoot me, and if if we're gonna if we're gonna attach modern day politics to this, or I guess you you can call it not even modern day because it's been going on for a long time, uh, it's because he's white. <laughs> no, he's got a clown on him. Everyone's afraid of clowns. No, but I mean, like, okay, so like you know, Black Lives Matter stems from like a lot of racist cops basically doing like injustice. Yeah, like literally choking out a a a, a black guy just for basically being black like they're stereotyping mm-hmm. him and things like that joker though being white it's very profound isn't it <laughs> if, if you attach that mindset to this movie uh it makes more sense um i like the cracked uh face paint that like it's varying shades of cracked throughout the whole movie it was very fun it showed the the supposed that the, the what what the chaos was supposed to be it's like look at it and um but yeah my my only real criticism was that none of the cops shot him yeah and also um maybe like one other thing is how they didn't have Rachel explain to Bruce herself why she was not going to choose him. And no, no, but like, no, I I understand <laughs> why. But also, 
it felt like they need they deserved more scenes. Um, okay, uh, so like, you 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 remember the note she gives? Yes. Okay, I do. I do know the note. That was going to explain it all, but then when Bruce tells uh, 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 Alfred Alfred uh, about how she was going to pick him. And that he was going to give himself up as Batman and they were going to be together. He couldn't shatter that because he knew already at that point that, that Bruce Wayne was at a near breaking point. If he if he had revealed that letter to her or to him, I think that would have actually broken Batman. I think she should have had the balls to say it to him because she's like, I'm going to write this down in a letter when I'm far away and... He'll read it later when the time is right. And Alfred will decide that. And so it just, it, it diminishes the connection they, they used to have and do have. Yeah. Because for her to be able to be like, yes, we will, I will eventually choose you. And him actually believe it shows that they did have that at one point. But now it's just kind of like, it's, it's not there at all because he's choosing to be um batman and i don't know they just deserved more screen time okay well i'm gonna at least jump in real quick with some uh issues i had that are much more minor <laughs> uh just to fit in a little bit here before we get into our finale now, let's not jump right to that like <laughs> let's i don't think people are ready for that but we're gonna find out uh anyways uh-huh. early on in the movie after they robbed the bank the bus drives out of the building and just blends in seamlessly with a bunch of other buses. At no point does anyone think, huh, that's weird. Like the bus that's behind Joker's bus doesn't think this guy literally just pulled a bus out of a building and is in between school buses. I should probably report this. Like no one does that. Like I thought that was weird. Like I, I thought it was because uh, Gotham people don't pay attention to anything, but also... It looked like it was just making a right turn. Out of a building. Like, there was debris still falling off the bus even when it was driving down the road. And, like, and it was that not like there was, like, a, a big enough gap between the buses where, like, they just didn't see the, that bus come in and pull in. It was just, like, seamlessly transitions in. And there's, like, there's no way this bus behind him doesn't see him pulling out of a building and trying to blend in. Like, there's just no way. Like, it... it that was one of my biggest issues early on in the movie. Where I was like, that doesn't seem realistic. Like, I think that Buster would have been like, what the hell? And like reported it or something. I did love hearing the kids go, whoa. Yeah, see, like even the kids were on it. Oh, that was another thing. So later in the movie, there's a point where uh, Batman's trying to chase down uh, Joker's semi-truck as, as that truck is going after... Um, the one police van that has like a, a guy who's trying to be a whistleblower about who's Batman. Mm-hmm. There's a point where he switches over to a like motorcycle type bike. Mm-hmm. He blows up like a whole block's worth of cars just to get through traffic. I want to know, does, does Gotham insurance cover Batman being a dick? Cause like, who does that? Who just blows up cars just so they can get through traffic and then doesn't even like leave like an insurance card or a name or number? Like nothing. And like the amount of cars and, and buildings and 
the amount of damage that Batman causes, not like the villains, Batman. Like, it's obscene. Like, is that covered by insurance? Well, okay, maybe not insurance, but does Bruce not help with the cleanup? I would hope so. Like, what doesn't, but doesn't isn't that it, something he does? I, I don't but know if it's ever like, established. How but... in the world does Marvel do it, too? Because you have well, aliens falling from the sky. They actually explained that a little bit more in, um, uh, what is it, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Because uh, they were like, so do you guys get like, paid or anything like that? And, like, uh, Wilson is, uh, is like, not really. No, we kind of do it, like, you know, out of goodwill and, like, like they're not paid and the government covers the damage and that's when that like because of the amount of damage and and even the deaths that happen in um civil war early on in the movie that caused the uh the oh, what's it called um the the registration act basically where they have yeah. that all the superheroes have to register yeah the sokovia courts so because of that um that's basically making like the governments of the world were basically like, okay, we're we're tired of all this like damage and basically no one taking accountability. So we're gonna make superheroes accountable for the damages they cause. And so you you kind of get that in Marvel at least, but DC I don't think ever even touches it. on that. Like at least from my knowledge, I, like it doesn't even explain whether or not Bruce Wayne pays for the damages later on and how would he explain that like oh hey uh i'm gonna create a fund for damages done by batman i am totally not batman though like but, that seems a little well, sus doesn't he already give to like the kids houses the orphanages uh, yeah he, and, like, he, he has a charity he donates so to charities part yes. of charity? maybe but at the very least it's never explained and um i want to know more if I, it, yeah, like I would, I, you know. Okay, so that actually, we're going on a tangent here for a moment. Sorry, people. Uh, there was a brief TV series that was originally supposed to be an insurance company that covers superhero accidents. It was going to be a DC show. It had Alan Tudyk uh, playing like a cousin of Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. It also had um, what's her name from High School Musical. Um, the main actress in that. Uh, the the, the one dating Troy? The one dating who? Did you say High School Musical? Yeah. Yeah, the one dating Troy, Gabrielle. Oh, oh yeah, Gabrielle. Yeah, the, yeah that actress. Then, she it, was yeah. also in it. Mm -hmm. And like it had Daniel Pudi from Community in it. And uh, the guy who plays uh, uh, King Shark in mm -hmm. um, the Harley Quinn show also was in it like it, it had an amazing cast and it was funny but they changed the concept from or the plot from being an insurance company to uh this marketing company that market products to people to deal with superheroes and so it kind of like lost that fun feeling like originally i would have it would have explained though what would happen in situations where like batman just blows up some neighborhood's cars and I wish they had stuck with that because it would have filled that void that I have right now. Mm -hmm. uh, sadly, the show got canceled. I think it only lasted like a season. That makes um, sense. But yeah, oh, God, none dude. of the stuff that we actually want actually gets to stay on TV. Right. I mean, well, I think that one was done in because they changed the plot to yeah, from insurance the, to yeah. Also, the that. plot did change. Um, and Daniel Pudi's character in it. Um, 
he he was just an asshole like just mean and i don't know why they did that that it felt like such a disservice to that actor because he's he's a funny guy he he's a great guy in community he's hilarious mm-hmm. but in in that show he's just mean and like there's nothing redeeming about him in that show and it just like turned me off and like naturally the show got canceled after like one season so it's like okay what else like blip on the radar i also think that another thing that goes into like the insurance never being explained especially during these movies but also like what dc is doing now is for i I think because they don't want to be a copycat of marvel but they're not making their thing a universe the way they could uh, they weren't at the point of Christopher Nolan's, but they yeah. did with, with Ben Affleck, and, and then mm-hmm. it failed because they were just messy with it. I also chose Ben Affleck, so... I didn't actually think he was a terrible Batman. I think it was just a terrible script, which unfortunately is a knock against him because he also directed that. Yeah. Um, I think if he had just acted it and they got another director, I think it would have been better. I think he could still have been Batman going forward. Um mm-hmm. I just, I think, unfortunately, he he took on too much in that project. Yeah. Uh, Circling back at least to issues we had with Dark Knight, though. Mm -hmm. Uh, One other last one before we get into the craziness that is the Cars universe. Uh, At one point, um, they're, they're, uh, again, this kind of circles back to the escorting point in the movie where they're escorting the the whistleblower Mm -hmm. and they're diverted to a lower level where the helicopters can't give them support. Mm-hmm. And the whole time they do an outshot of the traffic and there's no other cars on the road. Zero. They could have literally just temporarily driven on the wrong side of the road. They're the police. They could do it. And they don't. Instead, they put themselves in unnecessary danger by going to a lower level and get ambushed. Mm-hmm. And my whole time I'm thinking like, this could have all been avoided if they just, for at least a block, drove on the wrong side of the road. There was no traffic. There was no reason they couldn't. Instead, let's put ourselves in danger. I don't get that. I, that that bugged me. But you gotta add to the action. Uh, I, yeah, I guess you for, gotta give Batman for, a chance to get there. For for sake of the story, I guess they had to make that happen. But for it's like so logic, illogical. yeah, it, for logic purposes, it did not work for me. Um, I thought that was just interesting to to note. Um, with that said, I think we can. I think I think we can take a, a pause on any further discussions on the Dark Knight. It's a movie yeah. that I definitely recommend. I'm sure you recommend it. Do you want to rate it? Uh, out of what ten? Five. Out of five? Oh, great. Uh, I'll I'll go with a four out of five because I still prefer Michael Keaton, and I do have some issues like who's paying for these car explosions. Um. But, like, Keith Ledger's amazing in the movie. Uh, the story is well done. Christopher Nolan, I think, kind of shoehorns himself into the same effects over and over again. But, mm-hmm. I mean, so does the Transformers director, um, Michael Bay. But yeah. it works for them, so why not? Okay. Uh, so, yeah. I, I also give it a four out of five. I do it on my Letterboxd every time I watch it. Um, mainly, my big reason is I don't think this... Batman that is seen throughout, especially Bruce, the Bruce part, is not really the comic Bruce. 
And or or it's not the Bruce I want. I want just this rich guy um, whose personality gets seen in the Batman costume too, but also like because I think the Lego Batman is the superior Batman. Oh my god, I can't believe it. No, I, I can't touch that. No. I, we don't have enough time for that because we already even said we were going to only do an hour. We're at an hour and eight minutes. Okay, so yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, if you want to know more about this discussion and want to follow up, we'll do a follow up, follow up episode, but we need comments and subscribers to tell us this. Yeah. So we'll come back to that. We will. We'll make a short little 30 minute one. Or we could probably do a whole day of that. But anyways, (laughs) let's get down to the nitty gritty of this. We all know everyone who does listen to this came here for one thing and one thing only. Yes. How does this tie in to the Cars universe? And for those not familiar with Cars, it's Lightning McQueen, who is a living car in a world of living cars. Like there are no humans. It's just cars that can talk to each other. They can race each other. They can drive around it. They've got planes. They've got like every vehicle you can imagine is a living creature. This it's it's an acid trip to most, and it's a beloved film or series of movies uh, to kids. Julia has an obsession with this. Julia, explain to us how does this tie into Cars. Okay, first of all, let's do the six degrees of separation, seven degrees of separation of like the actors. Kevin Bacon is not involved in this. Michael Keaton is the voice of the blue Dynaco dude. And he is also Batman. That, that's one way you could connect it. But, <laughs> but Owen Wilson, voice of Lightning McQueen, worked with Robert De Niro, who worked with Christian Bale multiple times. So there you go. That, that's only three degrees of separation, which leads me to the other point of... Um, She's got to do I, research. Sorry, guys. One second. <laughs> no, I need to know the year for this. Okay. Okay. That's what I thought. We, we put more time and effort, apparently, into this moment of the, seg- of the whole thing than we did in the whole hour that you guys all have just been spent listening. We were just rambling. This, this is important. Batman Begins... And Cars came out the same year. That means... That means that the Batmobile that is used um, later was inspired by the Cars universe. I say this. I say this because it looks exactly like the Dynaco dude. So they were like, look, we're going to include Michael Keaton somehow. Also, also, I think the Cars universe is about anti-corruption. And they're they're like you must you you must be humbler you must not give in to the race gods, which race gods? Yes, the race gods who are the money the money people that are like look we're gonna control you and everything, and it's like is that like the court of owls for Batman? Basically, yes. Okay. And then why am I helping? And then um so like Lightning McQueen is supposed to be Batman, he's supposed to be Bruce. So he's sometimes this big racer, and then other times he's this um, low guy that works for the people, and he brings justice for the people. 
I don't know why you didn't go with the low-hanging fruit. They literally made a Cars Batman uh, like movie or show or something. Um, I, I Just a fair warning to all of our listeners. Um, no drugs were used in the making of this. Um, we're just weird people. Um, I fully think that the people who made um, Cars slash The Dark Knight Rises, I think Christopher Nolan... Decided to do his research on um, Christian Bell, and in doing that, he went down this rabbit hole of um, oh my god, who is Owen Wilson? And then he goes and he's like, Owen Wilson voices Cars, Lightning McQueen, and then he goes and he watches it and he's like, oh my god, this is perfect to incorporate. So if you can get some of the kids who decide to be brave and watch The Dark Knight, they're going to go watch the cars. Or if they watch cars and then they look at the Batmobile and they're like, oh my god, that looks like the blue guy. You got kids hooked. And I really think he stole the anti-corruption from, well, first of all, the comics, but also he's like, what if I kind of did it like the cars did it? If you're Christopher Nolan and you've somehow come across this, please let us know. Was this the inspiration? If you are the people from Cars, uh, which I believe is Pixar or was... It's Pixar, yes. Okay. Pixar people, let us know. Was Batman in any way influenced on this movie? Are we pleading with the Pixar people? Because I want to plead with them for a second. Please tell me if you created baby Cars and if you thought about the repercussions of that. How are there going to be baby cars? Please. Okay. And if any of you have answers or questions regarding Dark Knight or the Cars like universe or how they even tie in with each other, let us know. Uh, you know, you can always... Uh, yeah, we have an email. Uh, we put it together recently. Um, so if you have any comments, questions, or concerns... You can reach us at, bring up the images. Uh, it is the real off-road review. So the, like the, the word the, real, as in, you know, oh man, I missed out an opportunity there. I could have put real as in R-E-E-L, and instead I put R-E-A-L, because we are real. We are. <sighs> oh no. We did miss an opportunity. There. Yes, we are but idiots. But tell them the capitalization. Because I think there's capitalization. Well, it's an email. Capitalization doesn't matter on emails. Okay. Okay. And as you hear us ranting about this. <laughs> uh, so yes, therealoffroadreview at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, which I have some, don't worry. You can always let us know. And we'll happily try to respond to them as soon as we can. Uh, and with that, I believe we're coming. Oh, we have one last comment. Um, if you ever want to like know the list of movies that we have done at any point, I have a letterboxed. It is Julia, not Roberts, all lowercase. Um, I'll have the link to the podcast there too. And I have the list that, and I'll put movies there as we review them. And we will also be putting all this information in the description for this podcast episode. So don't worry if you constantly have to rewind this and play it's the same dialogue over and over again you can find that information below and uh 
thanks for listening. Uh, I'm Nick. I'm Julia. Ciao. Oh my God. What have I done? All right. Have a good night.